Father, we want to thank you for giving your best. Jesus, we want to thank you for giving your best and giving your all. You died that we might be forgiven. No wonder you said, this is in the disciples' prayer. Forgive us. Forgive us of our trespasses. And then you put the hook as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus, you modeled the foundation that was laid at Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you went through hell that we might gain heaven. Come and be with us tonight, Lord. We just pray that every, even maybe relationships that we have left and forgotten, and it's in the past, but it's still a broken element of our life. We pray that everything would be uncovered and be made whole tonight. So, Holy Spirit, we, we pray that your ability to have the word go deep would happen tonight so that Jesus, the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus might be magnified in our midst tonight to his glory and his honor and in his name. Amen. Okay, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, Jesus was giving the, ser the Sermon on the Mount, as you know, and he got up to saying, in this manner, therefore, pray. And he started going through what we call the Lord's Prayer. In verse 12, he said, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Strong statement, isn't it? So, I've got a few visual aids here for the teachers in our midst. So, if you have only sinned this much, then that's really all you have to forgive someone else. But if you have sinned this much, and the Lord has forgiven you of this much, then how dare you only forgive this much? Because we are to forgive as we were forgiven. So we have all different sizes 
that God lavishly pours out his mercy on us and his forgiveness on us. How dare we not just as lavishly pour it out on those that need it? And so that's why Jesus was so strong in this, where he says, if you forgive, your father will forgive you. If you do not forgive, your father also will not forgive you. So it's a bedrock of the kingdom. It's awkward having to carry this phone around. The sin that will hinder spiritual growth faster than anything else is unforgiveness. Don't give yourself the luxury of retaining hurt and bitterness because it is not worth it. It will steal the life of God out of you. 1 John 1.9, I think we can probably all quote it. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is He just to forgive us? Because the blood of Jesus covers our sins. God can't require us to pay again when Jesus, His Son, has already paid. But the requirement is that we confess our sin. Then He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even though He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, we often do have to pay natural consequences. But God does not condemn. God sees us as forgiven. It's under the blood but there are natural consequences often to deal with. And so that's what we want to avoid. That's why we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to have unnecessary broken hearts. We don't want to get involved in relationships we shouldn't. We want to keep ourselves as pure and holy as possible. So the devil loves to condemn us. He reminds us of past failures. He wants to steal from us our joy and our peace. But the blood of Jesus is more than sufficient for all sin, past, present, and future. And we can lawfully resist condemnation if we confess our transgressions, repent toward God, and receive His forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32. Why don't we turn there together? Ephesians 4.32. It's a good scripture to memorize. Apostle Paul says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So forgiveness is a key to freedom and victory. Once we forgive, the emotional wounds that we carry can be healed. Uh, the deep woundings in our soul can be healed. The areas of demonic oppression can be broken off of us. Until we forgive, we are bound to the past to some degree. We're unable to live fully in the present to some degree. So we need to forgive. And I want to explain about this. I said that um, that once we forgive, we can, be, we can be set free from demonic strongholds. So where do I get that word? It's actually, you see it in 2 Timothy chapter 10, verse, not 2 Timothy, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for bringing down strongholds. So a stronghold is a place where the enemy has strength in your life. He has a hold on you, a hold of strength, because you have given him that right. The enemy only has authority in areas of darkness. So if we walk in darkness, if we talk darkness, if we have habitual sin or deliberate sin, then we are opening the door for the enemy 
to get a place of strength in our life. And if we do that over and over, eventually the oppression of the enemy moves us into a place of being defeated in that area. And, and an example would be you lie once and then you lie again and then you have to lie to cover those lies and then you lie again. After a while, you're a habitual liar and beyond that, there's a demonic stronghold in your life that forces you to lie. You're a compulsive liar. And it's not just psychological, it is demonic. And that's one of the dangers behind habitual sin, just giving yourself into sin. You think, well, I can, I can say sorry later. I can repent. I can say, you know, ask the Lord to forgive me. He'll forgive me. He will forgive you. But if we continue to give ourselves to sin, the enemy gets a stronghold in our life. A very common one is anger. People get angry, but then they get angry. Then they start going into rages and they lose control over themselves. Have you seen someone fly into such a rage and they've totally lost control? It often can move into a demonic stronghold. And so they need a measure of deliverance. Doesn't mean that they're possessed and the enemy has a field day over all of them, but it means that there's a measure in their life where they are defeated and they need a measure of deliverance. And that's part of our ministry as disciples of Jesus. Because we're told to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. And so that's where the casting out of demons comes into play. And this area of forgiveness is all part of that. Because if we hold on to unforgiveness and it matures into resentment and bitterness in our lives, and then that grows into hatred and blame and rebellion, which sets the stage for deception and self-deception, which can then lead to moral sins, perversion, illicit sex, all that can happen. And it starts with unforgiveness. So we've got to get this forgiveness thing right. It is a protection for us if we will walk in forgiveness all the time forgiving as quick as possible. Don't harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in your hearts over long periods of time. It gives the enemy a foothold and you don't want him to have any foothold in your life. You don't want a stronghold of the enemy. Unforgiveness will damage our emotional and physical health. If the hurt or offense is not cleansed and healed through forgiveness, then that unforgiveness leads on into the progression I just spoke through and will event, can eventually lead us into a place of deep darkness and bondage. People end up in witchcraft, they end up in perversion, they end up in forms of crime, a variety of, of the deeper sins, and it all started with unforgiveness. When I counsel people and they lay out to me some of the stuff that they're involved in at that point, and I say, who who hurt you when you were young? And they always have an answer. Uh, it was my mom. She was never there for me. It was my father. He abused me. It was, and it always goes back to a key person in their life that they did not forgive. And it has progressed until they've been caught in the web of the enemy's bondage. So unforgiveness can sometimes be hidden. Any of us in here could have maybe unforgiveness in our hearts that something that just happened today or yesterday or last week. But once it has grown and matured into a root of bitterness, then it starts reeking out of us. It comes out in our words, our actions, our behaviors, our motives, our values. It, it shows up in us. There's a scripture about that. It's Hebrews 12. If you'll go there, Hebrews 12 verses 14 and 15. 
He says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest someone fall short, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. A root of bitterness. I said to Reuben earlier today that I wish I had a plant I could bring, and he said, oh, just pull up one of the weeds out of the flower bed. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. We got enough of them. So I picked up a couple of weeds. So here you see, this is where the dirt line was, as you can see. It's pretty dirty down there. And the weed, as it grew, it started putting down a root. Now, if often, you know, when you pull up a weed, you actually accidentally break it off at the dirt line and the, re the root is still there. And as soon as it rains again, that thing comes right back up. Well, it's like that with unforgiveness. When we forgive, it cuts it off at the dirt line. We've gotten rid of all the fruit of our unforgiveness. We've repented. We've asked the Lord to forgive us. We have forgiven the people that hurt us, and we've cut it off there. But if we don't deal with this root, as soon as there's more offense, some rejection, someone speaks harshly to us, our feelings are hurt, someone disappoints us, it grows very quickly again, shoots right up fresh weeds overnight. So we've got to deal with the root. And this is often not preached enough because it is a very key, it's a big key with the whole issue of unforgiveness. We can forgive again, again and again and again. And we think, how come I can't have victory in this area of my life? Why do I get offended so easily? Why do I take things so deeply to heart? Why can't I get over all these things? It's because there's a root of bitterness still there that's got to be uprooted by the Spirit of God and by our repentance. See, what people do to us, that's their sin against us. But what we do in response, that's our sin. So if we hold on to that unforgiveness, that's our sin. And if we allow it to grow into resentment and then into bitterness, that's on us. And so we have to go before God and say, God, I sinned. Yeah, he sinned. Yeah, she sinned. That's, that's what started this whole thing. But I have sinned. Because I've been holding it. I didn't give forgiveness like you forgave me. You forgave me all these bucketfuls and I gave a little teaspoon of forgiveness in return. So Lord, that's my fault. I repent. I'm sorry I didn't forgive. And Lord, I see that I'm allowing a whole root of bitterness to take place in my heart. And I need you to root that out. Pull that out by its roots and set me free from it. We're going to pray through this tonight after I teach on it. So I know you're getting antsy because you're thinking, when do we get to pray about this? We're going to, as soon as I finish. So uh, what does it look like if someone has a root of bitterness? How would you recognize someone? Well, here's a few common traits. They tend to carry grudges. And they pick up, they pick up other people's hurt. You know? It, it's not even hurt done to them, but they'll pick up someone else's bitterness. And they will uh, slander and talk about the situation. Uh, they speak harshly and critically. They overreact to minor injustices. They're very sensitive to rejection, ultra-sensitive. So, you know, none of us feel like forgiving. We die to self when we forgive, because we really don't want to forgive. We, we choose to forgive because that's what we're, we know to do. 
But when we choose to forgive, eventually the feelings will follow. Feelings tend to lag behind. So we make the choices with our mind. We are going to walk in forgiveness, and then the feelings just kind of come behind and catch up with us. Part of it is dying to the desire for revenge. And we don't tend to think that way, but that's really what unforgiveness is. If I keep holding on to this unforgiveness, I'm going to get to get revenge at some point. I'm going to say something back that's going to hurt him. I'm going to do something that's going to teach her. you know. And so we might not think it consciously, but unconsciously it's a desire for revenge. So when we forgive, we're actually canceling the debt and we're saying, I'm not going to try to get revenge. I'm not going to take my own revenge. God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not up to us to get our own revenge. That's his department. If we wait until we feel like forgiving, we never will. Because we'll never feel like it. Our flesh will never feel like forgiving. Psychology may tell us how to cope with pain and anger. But Jesus gives us the grace to overcome the pain and anger. The word cope is not in the Bible. It's not in Jesus' vocabulary. The word overcome is, and that's what he expects of us that are called by his name. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, we're going to read verses 13 through 15. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay, so let's go back and kind of talk through it, paraphrase it. He says, you were dead. You were spiritually dead in your trespasses. He's made you alive together with Jesus. He's forgiven you all trespasses. He's taking the handwriting of requirements. That's the laws. He took the laws that you broke and he nailed it to his own cross. So he's taken it out of the way and he disarmed, he took away the armor of principalities and powers. And he's speaking there of demonic principalities and powers, evil rulers in high places. Jesus disarmed them all. When he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, he disarmed them. In Matthew 28, 18, he stood before his disciples and he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. He had totally disarmed the enemy at the cross. That's good news for us because that means we can walk in his authority and we can speak to those demonic powers that are attacking us and we can tell them to leave us in Jesus' name. Part of the authority of the believer is what we need to walk in. Sometimes we, we're too much on the offense, on the defense. We need to be on the offense, pushing back against the kingdom of darkness. So we need to forgive even if we never receive an apology, an explanation, or restitution. We release the offense. We choose never to look at it again. We put it behind us the same way God puts our sins behind His back. And you see that scripture in Isaiah 38, 17. God puts all of our sins behind His back. 
So we're going to use my water bottle here. Now, if this is a sin, someone has sinned against me, if I put it behind my back, then I can't see it. I can try, but there's, there's no way I can see it. That's what God does. It's not that he has a bad memory. He puts it behind his back so he just can't see it. He chooses not to see our sin. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. So when we put someone else's sin behind our back, we're choosing not to see it. We have forgiven them. We can say something like, Lord, I forgive her. It's under the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to ever look at that again. I've put it behind me. I'm moving forward with you. I bless her in Jesus' name. Now, of course, the enemy is going to try you on that. And the enemy will bring it up and show it to you. Remember what she said? Remember what he did? Brings it to your attention. And you say, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I am not going to look at that. I have put it behind my back. It's under the blood of Jesus. I've already forgiven and I bless her. I bless him. I bless her family. I bless his business. I pray full salvation to every member of their family. Lord, would you bless their health? Would you bless their finances? I bless them in Jesus' name. You put it back behind your back. And you don't take it out and look at it. That's one of the worst things we can do is when we rehearse the pain from someone else and we keep bringing it out and looking at it. So the next day, the devil does it again. Look at that. Remember what she did. Remember what he said. And you say, get behind me, Satan. I've already put that behind me. I've already put that under the blood of Jesus. I have forgiven and I am not going to take that back out and look at it. Lord, I bless her. I bless him. I bless, bless their family. I pray, Lord, you'd lead them in new paths of righteousness for your namesake. I pray they would prosper in everything they put their hand to. And you just pray all kinds of blessings for them. And after a few times of that, the devil's not going to bring it up and show it to you because he doesn't want you blessing them. So that's a good trick. Once you forgive something and you put it behind you, then you deal with it so that the enemy doesn't Pre keep bringing it up and so that you can really walk in freedom from that. Now, sometimes we forgive in our hearts and we move on. Sometimes people didn't really sin against us. It just hurt our feelings that they ignored us or they didn't call us back or they forgot to say hi. It wasn't a real sin. It just hurt our feelings. Maybe it hurt us culturally. If we were in a different culture, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, if you're, if you're in many cultures of the world, it doesn't matter if no one says hi to you because they don't say hi to people as much. But in Waco, if someone doesn't say hi to you, you might, not get, you might get your feelings hurt. You know, we expect people to be friendly here in Waco. So the deal is we've got to make sure it's sin. We can't, we can't build up issues in our hearts against someone if it's just that our feelings got hurt or it's something's cultural. But if there is real sin and you can forgive it, and in your heart, you can keep loving them and you can stay closely connected with trust between you, then that's, that's good. But if a few days later you realize you're still hurting over that, you can't really get over it. You've tried, you've prayed, you've blessed them, you've forgiven them, you've said all the right things, you've prayed all the right prayers, and it still really bothers you. Then you know you need to go have a conversation with them. And you need to talk about it. Bring it. In fact, Jesus said in um, Luke 17, 3 and 4, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and talk to him. And in King James, it says, rebuke him. We would say, just go and talk to him. Get some understanding. Get some clarity. Hear from the other person's point of view. 
and then seek reconciliation because it's always about reconciliation. The Lord always wants us to be reconciled. If we don't reconcile a broken or damaged relationship, then what we will do is we will, we will act like we have forgiven and we'll keep going forward in, in our life, but we will have a strong wall against that person getting too close to us because we don't want to get hurt again. So the relationship becomes shallow and there's not trust there. And we don't want that in the body of Christ. We are all members one of another, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we want to make sure our relationships are strong, they're trusting, we understand each other, we believe the best of each other, and we care enough to talk out things if there's a problem. I heard a phrase years ago, and, and it's always helped me. And the phrase is to say to someone, tell me if there's something between us because I value you so much, I don't want there to be a hint of anything between me and you. You know, cause, because some people you go to them and you say, hey, is there something between us? And they say, nah, nah, there's not. That's when you press them and say, look, I really value our friendship and there, I've sensed an awkwardness with us and I value you so much, I don't want there to be a hint of anything between us. And then that usually helps move toward reconciliation. Okay, so that's caring enough to confront the person. So no matter who is the guilty one, if you're the guilty one, go seek reconciliation. If you're the wounded one, go seek reconciliation. There are different scriptures for it. It's always on us to seek reconciliation with other people. So sometimes we have forgiven, but we still carry inner pain for a while. Our emotions might need time to heal, and they might need input from the Word to heal. It says in Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. There is healing in the Word of God. <clears throat> so, if you've, you have forgiven, you've really released it, it's okay, but you still feel really hurt inside, Spend a lot of time in the scripture and just let it wash over you. Just let it heal your emotions and heal your mind and heal the wounds in your heart. It is very healing. He sends his word and he heals. And over a period of time, as you're in the word and as you say, Father, love me. Would you love the hurt away? Would you heal the wounds in my soul? Would you heal me where I'm hurting today? Because the love of God is stronger and deeper than the hurts of man. His love can go right down beneath the deepest hurts we've gone through and he can lift them up as he fills us with his love. So that's our key for our healing. We do the forgiving and all that, but then we're in the word, we're receiving the love of God and we're receiving his healing. So here's a pattern that is good to follow when you're forgiving others, first you want to make sure that you have sought the Lord's forgiveness for yourself, that there's nothing between you and Him. And so you first search your own heart. <clears throat> Sorry. And you um, ask the Lord to forgive you. You confess any sin He brings to your mind. You ask Him to forgive you. I want to encourage you to not stop at saying, Lord, will you forgive me? Go the next step and say, would you deliver me from this sin? 
Don't just keep forgiving me, Lord. I don't want to keep falling in the same areas. Set me free. And if there's a demonic stronghold here, Lord, deliver me from it. In Jesus' name. Sometimes it's, especially if you have time and you're doing maybe like a Saturday morning on the Sabbath and you're doing an inventory of your life, it's good to have times where you do that. And you say, Lord, show me where I'm really missing it. Where am I walking in sin? Where am I not feeling the leading of your Holy Spirit in my life? Let him show you things. And then when you confess into him, be specific. Don't just say, Lord, please forgive me for all my sins. You can say, Lord, would you forgive me for the way I spoke hatefully or disrespectfully for so-and-so? Would you forgive me for being rude to my roommate or my friend? Would you forgive me for not noticing that she was actually crying and making a joke right then and heaping more pain on top of that? Lord, would you forgive me for not being sensitive? You know, if we would be specific about our sins then He will specifically set us free. If we're general about our sins, we tend to continue to walk in general sin. And then, um, make a list of those who have offended you. You can do it without a list, but sometimes it just really helps to make a list. I met with this one lady, and she told me she had, she had so many hurts from men. And I said, okay, between now and the next time we meet, make a list of all the men that have hurt you and what they did. And we're going to pray through one at a time, and you're going to forgive them all. She had three pages, single-spaced. It took us three hours <laughs> to pray through her list, but she was free at the end. She prayed through each one, forgave them all, and the Lord cleansed her, set her free, healed her heart. So it's, it's, a, it's a good practice. It's a discipline to actually write some things down. And so forgive people by name. Lord, I forgive my father that he was never there for me. I forgive my mother that she always overreacted. I forgive my sister that she beat me up all the time. I forgive my brother that he was always shutting me out of his life. You know, just list the things. I forgive my coach for yelling at me. I forgive the teacher for overlooking me. I forgive and, and really do forgive. Write down the person, their sin, and then the fact that you are forgiving. And you're canceling the debt. They owe you nothing anymore. That phrase is very important. You owe me nothing. I have forgiven you. You owe me nothing. I'm canceling the debt. Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. This is a common scripture given to engaged couples and newly wedded married couples. Don't let the sin go down on your wrath. But it is good for all of us because when we go to bed and we're still harboring, do not let the sun go down your wrath. I'm hearing myself delayed here. Um, if we're harboring hurt and anger and offense and we go to bed, it actually gets cemented into our soul overnight. And the next day it's a lot harder to deal with. So deal with things before the sun goes down. Don't carry things to bed with you. <clears throat> and then repent of bitterness and renounce it. Renouncing is not a word we often hear either, but I'll, I'll tell you what it means. 
when you repent of something, you're going one way. You repent means you turn and you go the other way. So you're going your own way or you're going towards sin or rebellion. You repent, you turn, and you go God's way. Renouncing is to slam the door behind you. You're not ever going to go back there again. You haven't just turned a corner and headed toward God. You have shut the door behind you. And it's a phrase that we use when we pray with people that have been involved in witchcraft. I lead them in a a prayer where they say, I renounce Satan and all of his works. You know, I repent of my own involvement, but now I renounce Satan and all of his works. I slam the door. He has no place in my life anymore. So that's what we need to do with bitterness because bitterness is so important, so bad that it actually penetrates the spirit. A lot of the souls are in the body. A lot of the sins are in the body. A lot of the sins are in the soul. And there aren't a whole lot of sins that go all the way into the spirit, but bitterness is one of them. And so bitterness will will contaminate our spirit. And we're supposed to be carrying this living water that's bringing life to everybody. If we've got bitterness in our spirit, we are serving waters of woundedness and we are polluting the people around us. So we repent of it, we renounce it, and um, we, we have to acknowledge that the bitterness itself is sin that is our sin, like I said before. We ask the Lord to cleanse our heart with his blood from all bitterness, to cleanse. I, in fact, I pray every area, Lord, cleanse my spirit, my soul, and my body from bitterness, every effect of bitterness. I don't want it to have any place here in me. And then we ask the Lord, because what the enemy does is he builds a stronghold. It's like a castle. He builds a castle in our heart, a castle of bitterness. And he attacks other people through it, and then he comes back and he hides in the castle. So when we repent to renounce it, we have turned our back on it, but the castle's still there until we say, I command you to leave me and my soul, and my heart, and Jesus, I give you the lordship of my heart again. I want you to sit on the throne of my heart because we've allowed the enemy to sit there in a portion of our heart. We're taking back all the ground. We're giving it all back to Jesus. We ask him to be Lord again. And at that point, we can use the authority that he's given us. In Luke 10, 19, you've probably got that scripture memorized. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority over over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he's given us authority over the enemy. So at this point... When if we can see that, that the enemy has found a place in us and he is oppressing us, maybe from the outside, maybe a defeated area because of habitual sin from the inside, wherever he is, we want to get rid of him. So we don't have to talk about if he's on, around, under, inside. If he's anywhere oppressing us, we want to get rid of him. And usually you can tell because of the manifestation, what you're experiencing like depression, is often a spirit of heaviness that gets a foothold and just presses you down. You feel the oppression of the enemy. So we can pray against the spirit of heaviness. 
Spirits of fear are common ones. We open ourselves up through un unforgiveness and bitterness, and it gives an open door for a spirit of fear to get a foothold. How many have really wrestled with fear in the last two years? It's, you can tell it's demonic. It's not just natural. It's demonic, the fear that is over the nations right now. Sickness is a common one. People that give over to bitterness over a long period of time develop different illnesses that are specifically connected to inflammation, infection, and it's a spirit of infirmity that gets a foothold. So then we rebuke that spirit. There's a whole lot of spiritual warfare that we should be involved in, and often we don't, we don't have enough teaching on it, and so we, we kind of don't get all that involved with it, but we are tonight. And then we ask the, after we've come against any evil spirit, that we, you know, the Holy Spirit just shows you. There's evil spirit that has ground here. You need to get rid of him in the name of Jesus. Then we ask, Holy Spirit, will you fill me again? Fill me up, Spirit of God. He lives in you. He hadn't left. But sometimes he is pushed down with everything else going on. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Come upon me in power and fill me up to overflow with your spirit all over again. Fill every vacant place. See, the enemy looks for vacancies. We don't want any vacancies. As soon as we get rid of the enemy, we want to fill with the Holy Spirit because we don't want him to walk around and say, ah, vacancy, I'm going to go set up residence over there. That's why we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. We want to be filled with the Word all the time. And with prayer, we want to walk in the Spirit. It's really wise to make a decision each morning to walk in forgiveness all day long. Where you just in the morning say, Lord, today I choose to walk in forgiveness all day. I set my will to walk in forgiveness. Because in the heat of the battle, when there's an emotional turmoil going on or some kind of conflict, that's a hard time to say, okay, I choose to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Because you're caught up in the whole emotion of the thing. But if you have chosen in the morning that no matter what happens today, I'm going to walk in mercy and forgiveness all day long, then when something happens, you can easily say, I've already forgiven. I don't have to take that on. That can find a place in me. I've already forgiven. So I'm going to close with uh, just remember Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So now I'd like to lead us all in a prayer. And you can engage with this as much as you can, as much as you want to. No one's making you do anything you don't want to do. But this is also an example type of prayer that you can pray for yourself. <clears throat> you can pray with someone else. As a disciple of Jesus, as you are ministering to other people, there will often be times you have to deal with issues of, re of uh, forgiveness and repentance and dealing with bitterness and all that. So I'll tell you what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it. And I'm going to invite you. Don't move yet, but then I'll invite you. If you want to pray at the altar, you can. If you want to kneel by your chair, you can. I would just suggest that you, you get a little bit apart from each other so that you feel you're shut in alone with God as we pray. So we will first ask the Lord to forgive us of all of our sin. And I'll give a little bit of time that you can... We'll ask the Holy Spirit to highlight to us anything that He wants to bring to our attention that we need to repent of and say sorry for. 
then we will forgive anyone who has hurt us, disappointed us, abused us, offended us. We will choose to forgive. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like forgiving. We never feel like forgiving. We will choose to forgive. And then, and the Lord may bring to your mind someone you haven't thought of in a long time, but he, he knows that you never fully forgave that person. And tonight, you're going to lay that to rest. You're going to really forgive. Then we will repent of and renounce bitterness. We want to uproot that out of our hearts. We're going to ask the Lord, would you uproot bitterness out of my heart? Would you sit on the throne of my heart again? And would you rule from within me? King Jesus, be king of my heart, be king of my life. Lord, would you set me free from all the remnants, all the effects of bitterness in my spirit, my soul, or my body. Cleanse me of the effect of bitterness. And we want to get rid of bitterness. And then we will command any evil spirit to leave that is uh, pestering us, harassing us, oppressing us, um, forcing us to do anything against our will. Our wills are aligned with the Lord, but the enemy is always out to steal, kill, and destroy. So we can tell him to leave us in the name of Jesus. And if, if something comes to your mind, a certain infirmity in your own heart, call it by name. Or a habitual sin, call it by name. And ask the Lord to set you free. And then we will ask the Holy Spirit to heal any wounds in our souls, especially, and to fill us again with Himself, with the Holy Spirit. Is that good? You're okay with that? It's not scary at all. Okay, so let's uh, come forward as you would like to be around altars, find a different place. You can hear my voice all around here, so you can kneel anywhere. I would suggest uh, you take this pretty seriously because the more seriously you take it, the more the Lord can do with you. Father, we kneel before you, we sit before you, we stand before you. We acknowledge that you alone are God, and we are not, and we desperately need you. We need you tonight. Lord, we have tried to walk with Jesus, we've tried to be led by the Spirit, and in some instances we have slipped over and over again. And Lord, if you don't help us, we cannot make it. We are utterly dependent on you. Jesus, we're dependent on, on abiding in you. Holy Spirit, we need your power in our lives. And Holy Spirit, would you show us now if there are areas in our lives that we need to confess tonight? So let's use this time to confess any sin and ask him for forgiveness. Lord, we bring you our sins of commission, the things we've done we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have done, wrong ways of speaking, acting, reacting, wrong behaviors. Lord, we bring to you our sins of omission, the things we should have done that we didn't do when you called us to pray and we ignored your voice. 
We knew we should be reading the scriptures and we watched a movie instead. We knew we were to share Jesus with someone, but we were too afraid, so we didn't. Lord, any of the sins of omission, would you forgive us of every sin of commission, every sin of omission, every sin of disposition, Lord, bad moods, tempers, lousy attitudes. Would you cleanse us of all unrighteousness? We confess these things before you, our holy God. And we ask that you would forgive us and you would cleanse us. And we ask, Lord, that you would deliver us that we not continue to walk in old patterns, that we not fall into the same sins. Lord, set us free from, from sin habits. Set us free from selfishness. Set us free from pride. Lord, deliver us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we forgive everyone who's hurt us, all the way back from when we were children. We forgive parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and siblings. Lord, we forgive authorities in the church and authorities at school. We forgive friends, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, past romantic relationships. Lord, we, we say they owe us nothing. We cancel the debts today. They are also nailed to the cross. Just like our sins are nailed to the cross, so are theirs. And the blood of Jesus is enough for their sin, just as it is for ours. And so, Lord, would you cleanse between us and them with your blood? Would you sever any unhealthy, unholy soul tie in the name of Jesus? Lord, we forgive every offense, every disappointment, and even just deep abuse. We forgive it all, and we lay it all at the cross. Lord, we, we confess that we have harbored bitterness in our hearts. We have not forgiven quickly enough. It's grown into resentment, and Lord, we have allowed bitterness to take root. And today we, we acknowledge that as our sin and we confess it before you. Would you forgive us for bitterness? We repent of the bitterness in the name of Jesus and we renounce it today. We renounce bitterness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you would pull it out of us. You'd pull it out of our spirits, out of our souls, and even out of our bodies. And that you would heal our bodies that have been uh, struggling because of the bitterness that we have carried. Would you heal us physically today as we pray through this? Lord, we take that ground back that we had given to the enemy where he had established a stronghold, <clears throat> a fortress <clears throat> in our hearts. Lord, we take that ground back today, and we give it to you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, would you sit on the throne of our hearts? Would you rule and reign from the center of who we are so that our entire lives revolve around you, that you're Lord of the way we think and the way we speak and what we do? 
the way we act and the way we react. Jesus, would you be Lord again? We are so sorry that we've given portions of our hearts away to other people and away to sin. Tonight, we take all that back and we say, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite our hearts tonight, Lord. And Jesus, sit on the throne of our hearts. Be Lord within us. And every evil spirit that has taken advantage of us during this time, that's taken advantage of the bitterness, that's taken advantage of habitual sin or deliberate sin, we come against all of those evil spirits and unclean spirits and command you to leave us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke every spirit of lust and I command you to leave the people of God in Jesus' name. I come against every spirit of unbelief and I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Every spirit of heaviness, leave in the name of Jesus and take all your manifestations of sadness and despair and depression and fear and inadequacy. I come against every spirit of pride and I pray, I command you to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other unclean or evil spirit, I command you to leave every son and daughter of God in this room in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask now that you'd fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us even as you came upon the, the apostles? Would you come upon us in power and empower us to walk faithfully with our Father, with Jesus? Would you fill every vacant place, every place that bitterness did have, every place that an evil spirit did have? Would you fill it, Holy Spirit, that there be no vacancies in our lives? We'd be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that for your glory, for your namesake, that you be glorified in our lives. Lord, I pray that what we have commonly tripped over in the past, that today you would draw a bloodline and that we would not trip over those same sins again. That is now all under the blood of Jesus and we are on the other side of that. We thank you that you have forgiven us and cleansed us of all past sin. You've healed us and broken shame off of our lives. You've delivered us from guilt. And we stand tall in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus because we belong to you and we declare your victory over our lives. We thank you, Adonai Nisi. You are the Lord, our victor, the Lord, our banner. And we rally to you and we walk in your triumph and your victory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.